Thank you, Scott, for that uh, introduction. And it is a delight to be here at Adventure Church. I also belong to Adventure Church, but it's uh, a little bit east of here in Rockland, California. In fact, it was the year that William Jessup University moved over here, I think 2003, that this church was launched out of Adventure in Rockland. Do I have that right? And uh, so we have a partnership, and it is so neat to see what God is doing among you with these new facilities. First time I've been here, and I love them, and you're just beginning in a new site, and God has something powerful for you to do in the years that lie ahead. I have enjoyed my friendship with Scott and his family. Max is now a graduate of William Jessup University. As of August, he raised the GPA tremendously in the whole student body as a result of his being there and serving. So we got a lot of partnerships here at the, the church, but i got to say it's just a, a thrill for me to be here and to stand before you and to share some word of encouragement today. You're in a series that is called... Um, Seven words to change your life. And last week, the word that was used was the word now. The word that is chosen and given to me today is the word serve. And serve is a powerful concept. It touches every area of our lives, internally and externally, and our perspective about life. In fact, if you look in your Bible in the concordance and run a little word check, you'll find that the word serve is used 289 times in the Bible. It's an important concept. God put us here to love on us that we might serve him, that we might build his kingdom and be able to serve him throughout all eternity. Well, serve. That's the whole concept of how we are to implement God's love in a hurting world. If anyone wants to be first, he must be the very last and the servant of all, said Jesus in Mark 9.33. This happened uh, where the disciples were uh, in an arrogant mood. They were walking along a pathway on their way to uh, Jerusalem or to Capernaum. And when they arrived there, Jesus said to them, what in the world were you guys arguing about on that pathway? Well, they were arguing about who was going to be the greatest in the kingdom. And they were demonstrating how powerful they would be if they could be that top guy. None of them wanted to volunteer that because they knew that Jesus would put them down and would not be happy with their discussion. But of course, he knew what they were saying. And so he said, if you want to be first, got to be the very last and the servant of all. Well, Jesus is our model on how we serve. Jesus poured water into the basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around them. Just before the Passover, they were sitting around at Capernaum, and um, they're they were sitting around having an evening meal. It was only going to be a couple of weeks before Christ was going to be crucified. And he knew he was going to be heading to the cross. And uh, yet he picked up a basin and a towel. And he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that he had. What he demonstrates to us is that service and serving the Lord is an attitude. It's not a position. You undoubtedly have met people in service positions who have poor attitudes towards servanthood. 
And just as you can sense when a worker doesn't want to help people, you can just as easily detect whether a leader has a servant's heart. I remember being in a bond program way back in the early uh, 1970s in San Jose, California, and our church was expanding as you've expanded into these beautiful facilities. We were selling church bonds in order for that to happen. Remember there was a young guy, not too young actually, in his 40s, that had been in the military who was a student at uh, San Jose Bible College at that time now, William Jessup University. And uh, I said, Bob, would you help me with the um, program tonight? And people are going to be coming up to buy uh, church bonds. And there's little numbers on the wall here. And when one is purchased, I want you to take a sticker and put it over there to indicate that it's been sold. And he said, no, I, uh, I don't want to do that. Oh, okay. And so I, I got somebody else to do it. And I called Bob into the office the next day, and I said, Bob, look, we got to talk, bro. Ministry is all about serving. You don't seek the top positions. You seek with basin and towel to do whatever God asks you to do. And I'm not God, but I mean through me, we share with you opportunity to be able to serve our Lord. And so the truth is that the best leader desires to serve others and not themselves. His attitude was, I have served people for some 20 years in the military. When I retired from that and came to the Bible college, now it's time for others to serve, and I just want to lead. Folks, that's not the attitude of service, nor is it the attitude of Jesus. Initiate opportunity to serve others. The ancient world saw the label servant as a mark of humiliation. Jesus redefined it and said, when you serve, it's not humiliation, it's humility. You are demonstrating that you love the Lord with all of your heart, soul, and mind. It's the love for the Father and a hurting world that drove Jesus to serve by going all the way to the cross. And then Paul came along and said, the love of Christ constrains me to serve. Here's what a true servant leader might look like. First, True servant leaders put others ahead of their own agenda as God leads them. Secondly, they possess the confidence to serve. It's not a cockiness, but it's a confidence, a confident humility that what God has given to me, I want to pass on to you through service. Third is to initiate service to others without expectation for compensation. Fourth, it's the servants are, are not position-conscious, but person-centered. And five, serve out of love and humility, not out of arrogance for the purpose of recognition. That's the way that Jesus served. In fact, Jared, James puts it this way, humble yourself in the sight of the Lord, and he will exalt you. That was true of Jesus. It'll be true of you. You seek the areas of serve to just help people, and when others recognize that, God will elevate you to continuing broader areas of service. You don't seek to lead, you seek to serve. And if you serve well, then he elevates you to positions of more influence and more influence. But if you stand up and say, I am the best in the room, I can do what nobody else can do, I am the leader around here, then that is not the attitude that reflects the character of Christ. Who said simply, give me a towel and let me wash your feet if they're dirty because I'm here to serve you because God loved you. Jesus served in life and he served in death. He came not to be served but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. 
and he served with joy. In fact, in Hebrews, it says that Jesus faced the cross for the joy that was set before him. How can you face a cross with joy? It's going to be painful. It was the joy of knowing that on the other side of the cross, there would be a resurrection. It was the joy of knowing that he had done what God asked him to do. It was the joy of obedience. It was the joy of knowing that he would be providing a meeting place between the holiness of God and the ugliness and sinfulness of humankind. And they could meet at the cross. And so it was with joy that he faced even the pain of Calvary so that by being obedient, He could extend life to us today by being available to join and be a part of the family of God. Well, secondly, serving leads people to Jesus. In Acts 2.47, it says, And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. And in that context, what happened was Peter preached that message on the day of Pentecost about the risen Christ, and people said, we need him. What do we do? They said, repent and be baptized for the remission of your sins, doing good deeds. And they sold their possessions, and they gave, gave to people. And that developed goodwill. They ate together in the homes of those who came to Christ, and they enjoyed the favor of the people. Then they were able to see the good news as they share it, take roots, and the Lord added to those daily, those that were being saved. And what he's saying to us, that that's the way we share as servants. It's good deeds to develop goodwill so that we can share the good news. And so often we reverse that. We say, hey guys, you're all going to hell and I got something powerful to tell you and you listen to it and you're going to be saved. That's not the way you start it. I wouldn't even end it that way. There's a more loving way to say it. (laughs) But it's to do the good deeds so that you can develop goodwill relationships so that you can then experience and see the good news taking root and people becoming a part of the family of God. There's an agency here in town, right near here in fact, that uh, helps with the resettlement of those from Syria. Uh, Raid runs it, and I've had the privilege of speaking for his organization a number of times. And here just a couple of months ago, there's a picture of uh, standing in front of about uh, 500 uh, little Syrian uh, girls and, uh, and boys, and they were there to receive backpacks that had been put together by all of these Christian people in the community to give to these little kids to welcome there. And I just stood before them, not knowing what I should say, but simply saying, God, help me to say that which will touch their life. So I just shared with them, hey, folks, the, God loves everybody. Red and yellow, black and white, they're all precious in his sight. Every person God created is precious. You are precious, too. And God gives us opportunity to be a part of his family because he shed his blood. His son, Jesus, went to Calvary's cross for every one of us in this room, and he came forth. And we can be family. Then I had the privilege of just praying for them. And Raid asked if I would just bless them. So I just said, God, just be with them. May your presence be felt in their lives. May you direct their pathway. May they see who Christ is and, and come to know him in a personal way. Just yesterday, our church is in the weekend of service, which you're going to do next weekend. We did it yesterday. I was down at their center and helped them to pack little baskets to be taken out to the refugees to welcome them, pray for them. Just of them came to the facility. I had a chance to put my arm around them and to pray for them. Just serving in some way to touch them with God's love and to say, God cares about you. Doing news can be shared. 
so you can develop goodwill so that the good news can be shared. Agape, where we go in and rescue little girls out of uh, slavery. And go back to the other slide there. Um, and uh, here's one of just uh, about two weeks ago. There were eight little girls that were rescued out of the brothels by the SWAT team that went in. And here's a picture of three of them. We give them education, we give them health care, we give them spiritual direction, we give them vocational training, but they are not welcome back into their homes because now they're soiled from the perspective of the parents. And so it's hard to know how to reintegrate them into culture. Six of them are now living in the Roseville area. Two of them are students at William Jessup University. And here's a picture of one of them, Cantia, is a little girl that every time she sees me, she comes up and she gives me a hug. This little girl is now a junior at William Jessup University. She works at Chick-fil-A in the afternoon to help support herself. A new family, a new mom and dad, Christian people in the Roseville area who are loving on them. And this little girl is a little girl who just is touching the lives of so many because their lives were touched by those who went in and rescued them. And in May of this year, I was visiting with her, and I said, how are things going, uh, Kentia? And she said, oh, very good. And then she told me, she said, I already have my textbooks for next fall for the classes I will be taking, and we hadn't even finished the end of the spring semester. And I wanted to say to her, Kentia, that's not the way we do it in America. (laughs) We do not have a student here other than you who does that kind of thing. But she is just so grateful to have discovered life because somebody went and rescued them, did a good deed to develop a strong relationship. And most of the girls who are delivered come to know who Jesus is because they're open to the story. They have no friend who know that here is hope. And the way in which you do it, folks, is in an attitude of zeal and an attitude of enthusiasm and spiritual fervor serving the Lord. And this is the kind of attitude we should have. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor in serving the Lord. And the rest of the verses say, be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer, share with God's people who are in need, practice hospitality. Have an attitude of joy. Reel in the fish. We are to be fishers of men by doing good deeds and being able to develop good relationships so that we can experience a good story. I use this metaphorically because a week ago Saturday, that's my great-grandson catching a trout. And I just had to show you that picture. (laughs) And my little great-grandson Titus That's the largest trout that's ever been caught by our Jessup family for as many generations as I can think back, and we've all been fly fishermen. He caught it out of a stream. Oh, I've caught salmon and I've caught steelhead, but never out of a stream have I caught a 22-inch trout. That's rude of him to do that. (laughs) He is now the champion at four years old. But that's the way you serve, folks. You celebrate. You have enthusiasm. You have joy. It's not, okay, here we go again. You go fishing for men as Jesus did by doing good deeds and develop those good relationships so that you can lead people to Calvary's cross. And you folks are doing a remarkable job of it here, I know. Just in the way in which I was walked around these facilities today and seen all the things that you have done to contribute to the uh, preparation of these facilities so that God would be honored, 
wonderful. You're going out and serving, I understand, next weekend yourselves. Bless you as you do that. Pray for God's direction that lives would be touched. Well, third, everyone is called to serve differently. 1 Peter 4, 10 and 11 says this, Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful servers of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength that God provides so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. We all serve differently, folks. And it's because we are gifted differently. And what you do, I may not be able to do. What I'm doing, you may not be able to do. But when we all do what we're called to do, God is glorified and lives are saved. You find your sweet spot. And how do you find your sweet spot? Just a few questions you might consider. You know, what do you do well? What uh, do others see you doing well? What do you enjoy doing? What are you passionate about? What need do you see that needs to be met? What for you is fruitful and fulfilling? Those are some ways in which you can maybe discover as you take the step forward how it is that you can best serve other people and feel the joy of the Lord and see results coming from the service that you're rendering. There's just so many various forms of service, so many different ways to do it. Tanisha, these who are, um, your name was Tanisha, the way that they led music, marvelous. You don't want to hear me leading music. This would be an empty building in a hurry. In fact, when I was in college, there were five of us running around together in the 50s. Had a lot of fun. We were athletes, and we had a lot of joy together, but the music teacher saw us and said, I want to develop a quartet out of you five guys. Well, I'm not very good in math, but I at least understood that there's only four in a quartet, which means one guy wasn't going to make it. So we sat down with the music teacher, and he started going, and I was supposed to be singing it, you know. After about two minutes, he put his, he, he pulled the piano lid down, on, and he put his elbow, and he looked at me and said, uh, Bryce, you ever tried preaching? <laughs> and that was my call to ministry. I've been preaching ever since, because I know I can't do this, but I can do this. Not as well as I would like to, but God's always in it. And when you speak his word, his word's going to make a difference on the other end. So you just keep on moving on. Sometimes it's food distribution to the homeless. I work with 55 Alive in Adventure Church. We have about 100 oldsters. And I love working with oldsters because you can tell the same lesson every week. <laughs> the problem with it is got to study for it every week. <laughs> But there's a lady in our group who every Friday gets up early in the morning and she prepares a great um, tray of uh, muffins. She's been doing this for 12 years. She warms them somehow, takes them on down, and she feeds the homeless with these. And when they see her coming, you can hear them start shouting, here comes the muffin lady, here comes the muffin lady. There's a lot of things she can't do, but that she does well. And for 12 years, she's been doing it touching others with God's love in ways that they can understand. I recall Brother Voiles. Sometimes you raise funds and give to other people through what your hands can do through gardening. I'm a lousy gardener. I hate to mow my lawn. I got weeds everywhere. And yet I'm not going to pay somebody to do it because it's my yard and I should get it taken care of. But I, I, I should do what Brother Voiles did. He's got an acre of land down in Modesto a number of years ago in the 70s. 
And he decided after he retired, it wasn't wealthy, but he had enough to live on, that he would develop a little garden in the back area, and he would then take the vegetables down to Modesto on the street, and he would sell them and make money and put it in a suitcase. And so he'd been supporting Encounter Ranch, which is a ranch to help troubled teenagers up in Grass Valley, a Christian organization. And so Jim and Marion Parker, who were running the ranch, came down to say thanks to him for his support through the years. And when they finished the conversation, he said to them, oh, by the way, there's a suitcase in the garage. When you leave, pick it up. There's some money in it, and, and they're counting it, and it was $10,000 of cash. They said, oh, my goodness, I don't think he understood how much money was in that thing. So they called him and said, Brother Boyles, do you realize how much was in that suitcase? I don't think you are aware. He said, well, how much was it? And they said, it was $10,000. And his response immediately was, well, praise the Lord. All the better that we can serve more young people and help them to come together and to know Jesus. Folks, that's tremendous. Here's a guy who could have used a better car, a guy who could have built a bigger house, but he saw a deeper need. And that was to help these troubled teenagers to be able to come to know Jesus. We all serve, folks, in different ways. We have the Bolton Babes at our church. That's what they're called. A bunch of women who every Friday get there and are just stuffing the Boltons. We've got quite a bit of stuff that is in it. Not my call, but they do it well. We have um, uh, a couple that came uh, in the spring of this year who were... Um, uh, had just retired, and uh, their names are uh, uh, Don and Joy. They're on the left-hand side. And these two were just wanting to have their lives count, so they got in touch with my son-in-law. And my son-in-law and daughter have been in Thailand now for over 30 years, serving as missionaries, planting churches behind closed-access countries and so forth. And, and he took a class from my son-in-law at the, at the college, and he got challenged about it. And he then, uh, two years ago when he got started on that, decided I'll get some others involved. All the rest of these are retired from his church here in the region, and they're going over there with him, and they're there right now. They'll come back on Tuesday of this week. And this was a prayer request that I handed out last Tuesday to our group. We'll be praying for Joy and Don as they distributed over 10,000 Bibles in some of the closed access countries and in Thailand itself. Just his way of serving wanted the retirement used to be fruitful and fulfilled, and said, I think that's what God's calling it. There's just so many ways to do it. Maybe it's to help needy children in the community. Maybe it's to adopt one. Here's a little girl that I love dearly, little Elizabeth. September of 2008, in Christian church, this little girl came out in series preaching for the 106th anniversary service for the series Christian church. This little girl came up to me and put her arm around me and said, I want you to be my president someday. Just sweet little thing. I found out her story was that she'd been an abandoned child when she was less than a year old, had moved around to a number of different families till a Christian family in that church found out about it, and they adopted her, and she's got a new mommy and daddy. And she then came up to a student uh, preview day in September. You're not supposed to come up to those unless you're a junior or senior in high school. She was in about the fourth grade. 
we let her in and welcomed her. The next picture shows what she wrote to me uh, when she got home. Dear Mr. Bryce, I am so glad that I was able to come and see you in my future college university. I am also glad that you love Jesus. You and uh, your son are both great preachers and teachers. I, one day I want to go to your college and learn more things about Jesus. There's a lot to learn about him. I am so glad that you have the college for people to go and to learn. Jesus loves you, and so do I. God bless you and William Jessup University. And she signed it. That was so so sweet. Elizabeth Robinson, September 13, 2008. Saw Elizabeth in August of this year. The next slide shows it. She was on a basketball team, a winning team, and she was up in the Rockland area playing a playoff game. She's junior in high school, become a beautiful young girl. She's going to be on scholarship, I'm sure, in part at least, at William Jessup University. Why? Because there was a man and a woman who became a new mama and papa for this little lost girl who had no future, and they served her and loved on her, and now she's blossoming and is going to become a powerful servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. Good deeds to develop goodwill so that you can hear and share the good news. Well, I've got to move on. About done here. We uh, uh, were... Uh, I'll skip that story. Let's move on. At William Jessup University, when you come across the platform and uh, you receive your diploma, you also receive a towel. And what we say is, we've given you something for your head, that's God's word, given you something for your heart, that's Jesus. Now we give you something for your hands, that's a towel. Now go forth and serve. Here's a picture of a graduate. Just happens to be my, one of my uh, uh, grandson's, uh, or my grandson's wife, and uh, she's uh, getting one. We had a bunch of our grandkids who have graduated from there, and she, now she goes forth to serve. Her husband, about six months ago, they decided <clears throat> after being married four years, he was reluctant to have a child yet because he's very conservative financially and want to get everything in order. We just got a picture two weeks ago of, uh, of the uh, picture they take to indicate that she's going to have a baby, but it's not one, it's twins. <laughs> and he went, oh, no, one baby. God does ways, things in different ways <laughs> with different people. But, folks, we are to go forth and serve, forth and last. Serving Jesus is life's greatest calling and privilege. Jesus came to the planet Earth to serve. Philippians 2, 3 through 11. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interest, but each of you to the interest of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage, but rather made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant. Here's the Creator. Setting that all aside and becoming a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in the appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. Folks, we are to go forth and to serve as Jesus did. And it is to be aware that it's his power that makes it possible for him to be glorified that sustains us and gives us the ability to communicate his truth in ways that it can be received. Paderewski was a piano player over 100 years ago. Marvelous guy. They had thousands who would come to his, uh, his performances. 
and one day there was a performance and he was late coming out so a little 10 year old boy got out of, the, out of the audience and came to the front and started playing pot chopsticks on the piano and uh, people were saying get him out of here whose kid is that Paderewski heard the commotion he put his coat on and went out there and said to the little boy keep on playing and he knelt down and he started filling in on either side with magnificent harmony the audience quieted down a symphony of praise and they stood and clapped and clapped and clapped Folks, that's the way it is when we serve. I don't know about you, but there's been many times in my journey when I said, Lord, I've only got two fingers. You're asking me to do something I cannot do, but you're going to be there. And he says, keep on playing, Bryce. And he puts down his hands on either side, and he fills in the gap, and magnificent harmony results out of that because he's there, Christ in you, the hope of glory. He's the one that will be seen. He's the one who will be felt. And hopefully he's the one that will be received on the other end of the ministry that God has provided. Well, I close with a little video that uh, is really impactful. One of the most impactful definitions of servanthood that I have seen just three minutes long. Listen as we close. No one, everyone wants to be served. No one wants to serve. And yet we're called be servants. When Paul uses this word for servant in, in 1 Corinthians 14, it's a very, a very unique word. It's not the, his most common word for service, diakonos, from which he got, we get our word deacon. It's a word, the, listen, the root word, the root of that word servant means to row, R-O-W, row, as in a vote. The prefix of that word means huper, means under. I'll give it to you again. This word for servant means, it's, it's a picture word of a servant, a slave, listen now, who is an under rower. God says to you, pastor, man of God, woman of God, we are servants of God. And we serve as under rowers. Anybody see, uh, see uh, Ben-Hur? Remember that, Charlton Heston? Remember that? Uh, and remember the scene where they're, where they're, uh, he, he's a slave now and he's underneath and he's rowing. Remember that? Remember that scene? And, and, and he's rowing and, and he's rowing and rowing and rowing. He's underneath the deck of the ship. Stay with me. I'm going somewhere on this one. He's underneath the deck of the ship and he's a servant. He's a slave rowing. Now listen. The rower does not determine the direction of the ship. Amen. Go back to this side over here. <laughs> The, the, the under rower does not determine the direction of the ship. There's a captain Amen. who determines the direction. The under rower does not determine the destination of the ship. There's a captain that determines the destination. The under rower does not even determine the speed of the ship. But there's an appointed time in which this ship will land at its destination. Uh, in my culture, we talk about it like this. this it, we say like this in, in black culture. Tis the old ship of Zion. Get on board. Get on board. King Jesus is my captain. Get on board. Get on board. It's bound for glory. Get on board. Because we're servants. Someone's here today. And you're discouraged. It's not moving as fast as you want it to. 
You're not the captain. It's not happening as fast as someone else is happening. You're not the captain. It's not building and growing the way you planned it to. You're not the captain. You have one job. (laughs) You keep on rowing, and one day you'll hear him say, Servant of God, well done. You've been faithful over a few things. Somebody help me praise God in this house. Amen. We, we are called we are called to be servants amen bro you believe that that is powerful he calls us to go forth and serve with confident humility God bless you and what a joy it will be only getting started because you're going to serve him throughout all eternity and what a joy it will be let's pray father Thank you for sending Christ to serve us in ways that we so desperately needed so that we could be forgiven and a part of your family. God, give us to develop, to be sensitive to how you lead us to serve so that others may develop with you a living relationship that will last for all eternity. Bless this fellowship. Thank you for the joy of sharing together today, for it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Thank you, church.